What I think is really fascinating now, as we're in the third decade of the 21st century, is that we have proven that design has value. We have proven that, uh, you know, companies can exist out of nothing and be driven completely by design. We have, um, you know, one of the top technology companies, Airbnb, run by two founders who have design degrees. So it's almost like we've, as designers, we have fought so much to say we need to be uh, taken seriously, that we need to, you know, you said, maybe don't ask the kids in the corner. We've tried so hard to be like, we're not the kids in the corner. We're smart. We are, you know, we have a lot to give. We have all this value. And I think what's so fascinating now is that we are sitting at the table. We're like, oh, what does this mean? You are listening to One More Question, a podcast by the people of Nice Work. One of the things we often catch ourselves saying is, can we ask you one more question? This podcast is all about sharing that. The best conversations we've had with significant brand builders, experts, and communicators. The people that we've encountered as we go about our work of making people care by creating impactful brands. Season three is focused on unpacking the topic of branding. We talk to people who design brands, own brands, build brands, and even those who hire for brands. We explore what brands look like and how they behave across a wide spectrum, from world-renowned brands with massive budgets like Spotify, to companies that are making big waves on small budgets. If you're looking for insights on the best ways to invest in and build your brand, this is the season for you. I'm your host, Ross Drex. Today on the podcast, I'm talking to Jesse Maguire. Jesse is the managing director at Brand Studio, Thought Matter. She leads a diverse team who create daring designs and identities for global brands, local communities, art museums, foundations, institutions, and nonprofits. She's worked with Kimberly Clark, PNG, and Colgate Palmolive. She's raised awareness for socially progressive causes such as March for Our Lives, Girls Right Now, and the Joyful Heart Foundation. And she supported community-minded efforts for the New York Historical Society, Downtown Staten Island, and the Center for Arts Education. In the podcast, we talk about the responsibilities that designers have now and what we should be doing with them, and how clients should be thinking about leveraging this. We talk about how the market and consumers are shifting and how this affects the limits of where branding can go. And finally, we talk about how to apply design to any business. Enjoy. Welcome to the podcast, Jesse. I'm really excited to have you. Um, thank you for showing up today. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to, to have a good conversation today. Great. So we start off, I mean, I think, you know, when I asked you what you wanted to talk about, you, you said the boundaries of design. Can you just share with the audience a little bit about what you mean when you say the boundaries of design? Sure, absolutely. So I was really excited to to talk with you and have had a chance to to listen to a few episodes of your podcast. And I am myself an advocate. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I love, love uh, what's happening. And I do love to, to listen to podcasts around design, around branding, around the business of design. Uh, and something that I've really been uh, thinking a lot about, and I know something you're exploring this season, is just what is branding? What's happening in branding? Like, how are we seeing it? How are we using it? What does it mean uh, right now in this moment of great transformation? And so I think when you and I first talked, I said, I would love to talk about the boundaries of branding. What are the boundaries of branding? Because right now everybody says that branding can do everything, right? A brand is, you know, people are saying it's a 
it can be a person, it can be a company, it can help change uh, the, you know, a public crisis for a company. Like it's all about brand, brand, brand. Uh, and something that I've spent my career thinking about is branding. Uh, you know, I'm a, a formally trained designer. I did go and get my master's in branding. I was in the first year of the master's in branding at the School of Visual Arts. So have explored what does it mean uh, to practice, be a pr practitioner. Uh, and something I realized is that as folks who are in and around branding, we need to ask ourselves what the boundaries are. Uh, and then for me, and I know you said, what are the boundaries of design? I, it makes me then think, what is the difference between branding and design? You know, I see branding very much as how we create meaning, how we, in many ways, and I, I think, uh, you know, Debbie Millman has, I think, the best definition of branding that there is, which is it's manufactured meaning. It is manufactured to create a promise. It is manufactured to create how people see themselves. Um, but what is design? Design really is about how you uh, create, just create something. It's the act of creating. So designers are creating and making in the service of many times branding, especially if you're a commercial, uh, commercial designer or graphic designer. So uh, if, you know, thinking through that, for me, the boundaries of branding are absolutely limitless, but what's not limitless are people, are designers. And really it's about how do designers think about their role right now? How do designers think about what they're making, what they are creating, what the consequences of what they're creating? So that's what I'm really excited to, to talk with you today about, you know, how do we, how do we start to think as designers, what our, what our role is in this very important moment we're, we're living in? So, I mean, do you seem to think that there's a lot of responsibility on the weight of, uh, or on the shoulders of designers to think about this and and do it? And uh, I guess traditionally, the design department are like the, the the cool kids in the corner who you don't really involve them in conversations that are important. You sort of do all the strategy and then you give it to them and they make it pretty and make people understand it and all that good stuff. But they're not necessarily the first group that you would go to to ask a question like you just asked. I mean, what do you think the implications of firstly involving designers like that and Conversely, for designers, what are their expectations if they are going to be asked these questions and, and think about them? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I guess just to give context for me, I when I started uh, my, my formal education in design in early 2000s, uh, I started 2001 uh, and went to art school, ready to, to change the world with with, with design and creativity. Uh, 2001 in New York City, the world changed dramatically immediately when I arrived at college, uh, which made me then think about, you know, what does what does the role of creativity have in bringing people together, right? And then I think over the next probably five to 10 years as I got into my career, there was so much conversation around what is the value of design, right? It was all around, you know, IDEO with their design thinking, um, conversations in the corporate, especially consumer package goods world of uh, chief design officers. It was all, let's get a seat at the table. Designers are important. Uh, companies need to be thinking about design as a differentiator. Like that was the conversations I feel like for 
actually probably the last two decades. And what I think is really fascinating now, as we're in the third decade of the 21st century, is that we have proven that design has value. We have proven that, uh, you know, companies can exist out of nothing and be driven completely by design. We have, um, you know, one of the top technology companies, Airbnb, run by two founders who have design degrees. So it's almost like we've, as designers, we have fought so much to say we need to be uh, taken seriously, that we need to, you know, you said, maybe don't ask the kids in the corner. We've tried so hard to be like, we're not the kids in the corner. We're smart. We are, you know, we have a lot to give. We have all this value. And I think what's so fascinating now is that we are sitting at the table. We're like, oh, what does this mean? Like, I feel like there is now this sense of like wanting to shark responsibility to move away. Well, that's, that wasn't me. I didn't, you know, I was just here to pick up the color or the typography or, you know, I was just here to, to follow that brief. You know, I was just here to make sure that the client got what they wanted. And that to me is really uh, dangerous. I think that's really dangerous that as designers, we're now saying, okay, we fought so hard to be at the top. And now that things are getting difficult, that now, you know, we're in the middle of, I don't know how many uh, numerous interrelated crises across <laughs> across the world um, that we as designers aren't saying, okay, what is our mantle of response or how do we take this mantle and how do we take on that responsibility? Uh, so for me, and I actually just read a really wonderful article in a, in a magazine for Design Museum Everywhere that said that as designers, we need to stop arguing about the value of design. What we need to be doing is talking about what is the design of value. And that's mm -hmm. like blown my mind. And I think that that really is that uh, this opportunity for us as designers is to think about how do we design value? How do we think about what the role of um, type color, photography, what does that have in actually helping us uh, look at things differently, value things differently, value community differently, value the way that we look at our environment and our world and the things around us? How do we start to look and not see uh, the world around us as just ultimately replenishable resources, right? Like, I know sustainability is the big hot word. Everyone's talking about it. But it really is how do we set up the, how do we set up ourselves for a future we want to live in? And that to me is really where the opportunity for designers lie is now we are here, we have proven uh, that we aren't the kids in the corner, uh, but how do we, how do we take that next, next step and, and design the future we want to be living in? So what do you think some of the questions designers should be asking themselves are? Like what are the, uh, almost the, the mind frames they need to get into? And I think it's an interesting one because when I think of designers, I think of people who solve problems and they graphic designers do it visually architectural mm -hmm. designers do it spatially sound designers do it audibly but essentially there's a problem or a feeling or a something so what do you think yeah. that question should be because i think once we can help frame that then the kind of possibilities become endless because I think that's when the creativity kicks in and the solutions start getting really exciting and you see stuff coming to life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, designers need to be uh, examining their own practice. I think one of the things that um, I'm always really intentional about is to say that designers have a practice. Like we are practicing something. You're correct. We're, we're solving solutions. We're making things. We're putting things out of the world. And that's our own practice. Like everything we put into the world is a reflection of who we are, whether 
we are, you know, doing it for a client or not, we've taken that work on. Um, so I really think that this is the opportunity for designers to, to examine their own practice. What are their values? How does it line up with who they are as people? How do they want to put that output out into the world? And then really thinking about how do they engage critically about what and why they're making what they do? You know, one of the things we talk a lot about with the designers here at Thought Matter is to always be asking why. Why are we doing this? What is the, the larger either problem or solution that we're trying to solve? And why is our work, our talents, the things that we're creating, why is that the potential right solution for that problem? Uh, and if we ask ourselves why, and the, and the answer is, you know, this is... Um, Maybe this isn't good for a community. Maybe this isn't good for our world. Maybe this isn't what we should be doing. Uh, I think that is a fair game to say, maybe this isn't the place where we want to use our skills and our, our talents. Um, you know, something that with that said that, you know, I always have the top of my mind is I know that there's also uh, quite a bit of privilege to be able to say you don't want to do something. Uh, so if you are, you know, say you're right out of school and you know you need a job, and you need to pay your bills and you need to get it and you're given a project and you're like, oh, I have to take it because I need to pay my bills. I understand that there is that privilege of saying, well, no, I don't want to do it. However, I do think that there is, as I, I said, being able to, as a designer, um, examine your own practice is to ask the questions of your boss or your company or whoever you're working on to say, what is it that we're, we're, we're ultimately getting out of this, this project? Um, so that to me is, is a really big I think shift for uh, many designers, right? You go into school, you spend years and years and years, you probably have student loans, um, and then you just start working. And I think that after many years, if you don't start examining or questioning what you're doing, you might wake up and say, why am I doing this? And then, you know, go and, and look for something different. But I think if you're constantly asking and constantly aligning your own personal values and the things that make you excited and make you want to be a designer in the first place, uh, that is where I think that that nice intersection of finding the work uh, you want to be a part of. Um, and, you know, we, we're always saying that, um, is this, you know, I want to do, I want to do work that makes me feel good. Right. That's, a, you know, that's everyone says purpose driven work. Um, but I think we're now at a point where we can't just be saying, oh, we want to do work that might make us feel good. Like we have to be doing work that we know is going to change, uh, the, like I said, the, the world around us. Like it isn't just, um, it's not a nice to have like some of these big, you know, uh, crises happening right now with, with, uh, with climate, with, uh, you know, speech with all these different things. Like they're not just, oh, it would be great to work on that. It's like, these are big questions that we have to be tackling. I mean, I think there's quite a bit that you said in there. And the first thing I find interesting is that you need to ask the question of why are we doing this? And I think that's valuable both for designers and people who own brands and people sitting mm -hmm. inside companies. Because so often projects start but no one really knows why and no one really knows what is it that we are actually trying to do here what is the thing that we're putting our energy into it sort of gets created and executed and pushed out and no one really knows why so i think that question why are we doing this and why is it important to us becomes really interesting and I think the other thing is you talked about, you know, how 
designers get a job and they just have to take a job. Um, but I, I do also believe that the best place to change things is from the inside. It's very difficult to stand on the outside and shout at people and get them to be like, you can't do that. Don't do that. Be better. Uh, I think you've got much more chance of having an impact if you are inside and asking those questions. Like, why are we doing this? What's the point of this? Oh, I see our company values say people first, but when we looking at this project, what it has potential to do is X, Y, and Z. And I see those two things don't necessarily line up. Um, I think it has a better conversation. And I'm not sure every company is going to be open to that or every project is going to be open to it. But I think a lot more are than, than we believe, but no one's actually asking that question. Yeah, and I think in many ways what we're seeing now uh, with – you know, coming out of a uh, global pandemic and many things have shifted, many things have changed out of necessity, some out of like, you know, just the realities of what are happening. And I do think that people are recognizing how much more agency we have as individuals. Like I think even as designers are working in a company or especially you mentioned on, on the brand side, like if uh, if you're working for a brand whose values you either don't agree with or you see aren't following what they what they what they're saying that they do you are seeing employees pushing back either internally mm. or saying you know I no longer want to work here i mean there you know it doesn't uh, sort of go past me that we're having you know more conversations about whistleblowers right you're having you know we just saw this uh this past year with Facebook, right? You had people leaving in droves and then you had people coming out and saying, here are the things that we're seeing that are directly impacting the world and society we're living in. And me sitting in this company and watching it and witnessing it and seeing the misalignment of values has caused me to want to raise my hand, go in front of Congress, say the things that need to be said. And so I do think that brands in many ways are kind of on notice, right? You have to, if you're putting out that you have, um, these values, or you have a promise that you want to deliver on, and then you don't deliver on it, you're going to have issues internally with your employees. You're going to have issues with your shareholders, your stakeholders. You're going to have issues with consumers, right? I mean, I think that there's also a big conversation around what the role of consumers are. Like we have the opportunity to uh, show what we support through what we buy, right? What we mm. are saying we're putting our money into. Um, I think there's also, you know, this large conversation around, um, you know, freedom of speech when you're talking about a public institution versus a private institution. At the end of the day, if a private institution, you don't want to put your money into that or a private company, you don't have to. It's not that you're saying um, that you uh, don't believe in, in, in freedom you're, or freedom of speech. You're not believing in what that company is standing for and what that company is doing. So, um, yeah, so I, I guess, like I said, I, I think that it, this is everyone should be on, on notice that if you say something, you should be doing it. Um, and mm. if you're, you know, if it's something that isn't aligned, you know, there are companies that at the end of the day, maybe you just are selling chocolate or you are creating, you know, something to put out into the world. You don't have to make it be about some larger, big societal, societal issue if that's not true to, to what the, the product or service is. So that's where I think that that balance comes in. I think we've seen 
unfortunately some watered down versions of that and some pretty bold versions of that um what pops to mind is you know robin hood and you know when they pulled the rug out from all of the investors from reddit and everyone was like i'm closing my account i'm leaving and it actually made no difference to robin hood's turnover whatsoever so people sort of said it because it was the right thing to do, but it didn't translate into behavior. But recently, Meta's stock took like such a hammering mm-hmm. because they're starting to see the downturn in users. And I think it's come from so long of the brand saying one thing and the persona representing something. And then just so much evidence of the contrary coming out in a million different ways and people are now starting to reach a point and they're like oh it actually feels icky and i'm gonna go somewhere else and i think once that starts it can be a great like it can run away and companies can be like washed away if they're not careful um, when that happens. So you can kind of get away with it for a while. And right. then as soon as it twists, then you're, you're in big trouble. Yeah. And wouldn't it just be easier to, to say what you want to do and then do the thing you said you're going to do? <laughs> you know, that sometimes I think to myself, like, you know, there, there, there's companies that try to put such a, um, such a branding sheen on something, right? Our values, our promise, our mission, our vision, they put it out and then they don't follow it. Mm. And it's just be, be so much easier if like you, if you spent all that money with some brand consultant to make all these like frameworks and all these wonderful strategic plans, and then you actually followed it. Or like you said, don't say it because if you don't say it, nobody expects it. And then you're fine. You can just go, oh, this is what we do. I think very few companies, especially, I mean, we can talk about purpose kind of driven branding now, but there's a lot of that coming out, like big banks going, you know, Mm -hmm. our purpose is your purpose. Yeah. And you're like, well, I was on the phone with you for four hours trying to reverse a fraudulent transaction and you didn't help me. So how is that what you just said and my experience um, aligned? Yeah. So I know you work in this space. I mean, Thought Matter, you know, this is, I think, one of the main drivers of what you do. Like, how do you think about helping companies when they come to you and they're like, we want to be, we've heard this fad, we've heard this thing of being purpose-driven and caring about the world and the planet and people, please, can you make us a brand and and do that? How do you help them sort of navigate that? Yeah, I mean, I think the the first thing is, you know, Thought Matter, we uh, are always talking about, um, you know, we, we rally around this idea of work worth doing. And that's something that we've really sort of interrogated. What is work worth doing? What are the things that, you know, as designers, we want to be working on? What are the things that we should be working on? What are the things that um, will uh, help us think about, uh, you know, the world we're living in differently? Uh, and for me, working closely with our founder, we've really thought about how can we use design, the power of design, the power of creating something, and then branding, which is how do we create that meaning for, um, you know, 
a, a, a challenge to meet a challenge or a solution? And how can we do that in areas that in many ways are unmet needs in society? So we have our overarching, you know, we work with cities, we work with uh, cultural arts institutions, we work um, with, in and around gender equality, racial justice, social impact, sustainability. And it really has been for us when we take on a client or we take on a project that it has to be filling some unmet need somewhere, right? So going back to the why, we always ask ourselves or when we have a client or when we put help put together a brief, it's why are you doing the work that you're doing? Like, why would the world be different if you weren't doing what you were doing? Uh, and, you know, if, if a client can can really articulate what are they doing, why are they doing it, uh, and maybe they don't have a story, right? They don't necessarily have their narrative or they don't have all their, their bits and pieces together, and that's where we come in. Um, but they have to be pretty clear as to what what they're doing. Uh, and then as a studio, uh, we, we make the decision around if that's the, the right thing. And that if we also have the right skills, because there's sometimes we have clients who, who come to us uh, and they have a very clear unmet need in society. They're working with a specific community. Um, and we realize that maybe we aren't the right people to be working on that project uh, for whatever reason. And, you know, we'll work to find uh, maybe an agency or a sole proprietor, somebody who it makes sense for them to work, uh, work on, uh, because that is also so I think a big, big piece of uh, who, who we are as a studio is to make sure that we are finding the right partners and that we also in turn are the right partners. Um, so a lot of that then becomes uh, how can we use what are traditionally, you know, marketing, branding, um, uh, strategies and outputs to help, or a lot of times organizations who don't know about, you know, say consumer branding. Uh, a mm. lot of, I've had so many conversations with nonprofits where it, they're like, well, we have a marketing line, but I'm not sure how branding fits in. Uh, we're not really trying to make money. And I'm like, well, you are trying to raise money, right? You want to be able to bring money in and you want people to believe in what you're doing and you want people to really uh, buy into your larger mission so that you can uh, raise funds to be able to do more of the work you want to do. You want to increase the capacity for the work that you're doing. And that is going to require, you know, knowing your story, knowing how to align like-minded people, uh, getting people to really believe in, in that work so that you can do more of it. And so a lot of times, you know, clients will then say, no, exactly. That's what we want. <laughs> we, we want more people to to really understand what we're doing. So uh, that's what the team, you know, here at Thought Matter, that's what we're always doing is how can we help people who um, we like to say, people who think they can change the world, how can we actually help them do that? Uh, how can mm -hmm. we help those that are standing up, stand out? Like, and that's, uh, that's what for the past, I've been here now six years. That's what we've been doing for six years. So uh, it feels good. That's super rad. I like that clarity of an unmet need. I think when companies think about this, it often feel they feel like it's, oh, we got to help the planet or our product needs to be uh, solving something. But I think there's so many different ways of looking at what is your statement? Yours is there needs to be an unmet need in society. And if we can't find that, we are not the right people to be working on it. And I think there's different variations of a statement like that for 
other people. And so often we help people look at the UN sustainable goals and be like, which of these right. kind of appeal to you? Because it doesn't have to be the planet. It doesn't have to be gender. It, doesn't have, it can be a, million, a myriad of things. It could just be treating the human beings who work for you in a really good and meaningful way, allowing them to live fulfilling lives, you know? So I think framing it like that and breaking it down to that level, I think is super interesting. Um, friends of mine were lucky enough to go to the target head office and they've got a line in there that says, we are a good citizen. Hmm. And because of that statement, they pay their taxes. They're like, and they're proud of it. They're like, yeah. we as a company pay our taxes because it's important for us to be a good citizen. And then like they've interrogated that. And it's like, we, you know, we show up in communities correctly. We help those around us. They've got this sort of philosophy around being a good citizen. And I think I like your, you know, you know, what is this unmet need? Because once you know what the unmet need is, you can make work that matters to solve it. And I think that's a beautiful thing that people can take and apply to their world in some way. Yeah, no, for except for sure. And I like the the idea about being good citizen. We uh, very early on, we did a project around the constitution and we had an opportunity to work with uh, a lot of uh, well-known graphic designers to create posters for the first 10 amendments. Uh, and through that work, um, we had a chance to uh, talk with somebody from Milton Glaser Studio and something he said, and I'm going to butcher the quote, but it's just that good design is good citizenship. So being a good citizen is like is 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 important. But then again, going back to designers and the role of designers and people who have these these very wonderful specialized skills to create something out of nothing, um, it is important that good design be good citizenship. Uh, you know, there I was talking actually with um, our uh, wonderful copywriter, and we were talking about um, again acknowledging privilege that it is a privilege to work on things that you want to be working on. I I, I you know, first and foremost, I understand that. Uh, but then we were talking about, you know, the next levels. People say, I want to work on projects I care about. That could be like the last couple of years. That's what people said. You know, even we've had interns and we've had um, had mentees and they're like, I want to do something I, I really care about. Uh, but I think what's really been fascinating now with the, our whole studio is we've been talking about um, in many ways, we need to be working on things that we have to care about. Right. Like mm. and you mentioned and everyone's talking about the planet. But I do think that that's like something that's really fast. We have to care. Everybody right now has to care about what's happening with the planet. Everybody has to care um, whether you agree on the drivers of what and why our, our planet is going through tremendous change. You know, not going to get in, not get into that polarized conversation, but we all know it's something we need to care about. Uh, and I think that uh, and I read this also recently in, in a book around um, as designers. And I think I mentioned this earlier. As designers, we cannot continue to think about the planet as a completely replenishable resource, right? We can't just be doing work thinking no matter what we do, it just, it'll, it'll make it, everything will just happen for us. We have to be, be caring in that way. So, so that's what I'm really like excited about as we continue to, to move forward and talk about purpose-driven work. And again, I think you mentioned a lot of companies are getting on that bandwagon, both on the client side and, and agencies. Now I feel like it's actually 
I think it's great that a lot of agencies are putting purpose in their work. I know sometimes people, you know, it's like, oh, they're just saying it. But even if they just put it out there, it's starting to show that, like I said, we all need to be caring about things that are bigger than ourselves. We all need to start Mm -hmm. caring about, as I mentioned before, the consequences of our, our work. I like that. I mean, when I asked you when we were doing the the pre-call, I asked you what was inspiring you and keeping you up at night. And your answer was quite sort of uh, like inception-like. You were thinking about how to design a studio or how to design a company because I think we've touched on some of the pieces that lead to it as if a company is not set up or designed in a certain way, it's not going to allow conversations like these to naturally happen. It's going to require somebody to really sort of push their way in and be quite forceful as opposed to it sort of happening more naturally. Can you talk a little bit about how you thinking about designing the studio and what other people can sort of extrapolate from that and use when they're thinking about their companies or their brands and how they are setting these things up. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think you did ask me what keeps me up at night. I was like, Oh, many things, but, um, (laughs) and not that I feel like what keeps me up at night with, with excitement is the work that I'm doing, um, at thought matter. And I, like I said, I mentioned before, I've been here now for six years and it hasn't been a, a linear journey even here. I feel like I've done different things while I've, um, been work at the studio, but most recently I've really been thinking about how do you design a business? How do you design a studio? Um, and, you know, really been thinking about how do you create conditions for creative people to thrive? How do you create conditions for, uh, you know, writers, designers, strategists, cultural strategists, um, those creative adjacents, uh, how do you create those conditions so that they feel that they have freedom and flexibility, that they can ask the questions we were just talking about, which is why, why are we doing doing this, that they do feel safe to be able to say, maybe this isn't what we should be doing, or does this actually address an unmet need? Um, that is so fascinating to me that I, you know, I, I started my career as a designer and I guess I never thought about how does a vacation policy impact somebody's, uh, feeling of, uh, you know, feeling free and flexible to think about something. I've never thought about, um, you know, what, when we're working from home versus working in the studio, uh, what policies have to be put in place for people to feel comfortable and to feel safe and to feel that they can bring their whole selves to work. I think something that's really really been top of mind for me, especially thinking about uh, designing a business in a studio in the industry like design, a design industry, is how we can actually start to be thinking about how we change some of the things that are not uh, that are have been historically uh, fraught in design, right? Design has to start looking at itself. Uh, you know, it is very, very clear that um, design as an industry for many, many years has been um, predominantly white. It's been predominantly heteronormative. It's been predominantly, um, you know, uh, the, a lot of conversations around a colonial mindset. That's how we learned about the things that are happening in and around uh, the histories of design. And how do we start breaking 
that down so that we actually, as designers who are creating meaning that are actually changing, uh, have the opportunity to change the world around us, how can we as a design industry and, you know, in our, my small world of Thought Matter, how can we make sure that we're representative of the world we want to be? That it's not just the same people talking about the same things that have the same background or the same education. Uh, so how do you support that? You know, we talk a lot about when we bring in um younger designers that if we uh, are pushing back and saying, you know, it doesn't have to be the same portfolio that everybody has, because that means you probably went to, you know, four or five of the same art schools. We want those that have passion and excitement and the work that they're really, really excited about. And they have uh, the opportunity to come to our studio. That doesn't mean we just leave them alone. Oh, good luck. You're going to be great. Here's a brief. No, give you, there's tools. There are, there's support that needs to be had. There's ways to, to be able to start talking about how, um, you know, work, work is, is done. And that is all around designing a business, because like I said, you can't, yes, you can, you can hire really amazing, talented people and put them all in a room and hope that like the talent just continues to, you know, exponentially get greater, but that's not really true, right? You have to be able to bring really talented people in and give them, uh, the tools to feel that they can give each other feedback, that they can have, you know, that candor and that openness to be able to push each other to do things uh, bigger and better than they may not have thought they could do before, to be able to take risks. Um, I think risk taking has been one of the things that I've probably learned the most with uh, a business. Like I've, I, I love taking risks. Ask my husband, he's always like, stop taking risks. Stop trying to do something new. Um, but I recognize that especially with growing a business. And I know you know this uh, as well, that yes, you can bring a bunch of people in and say, please take risks. It might not work. You know, don't be afraid of failure. But then if you're working on something or you're trying to get a piece of business and you fail to get that piece of business, and that is uh, so important to be able to, you know, hit your numbers that quarter or that year, then next thing you know, you're going to say, well, no, 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 you can't you can't take that risk again. You can't fail this time. Like you have to do the thing that's going to be safe. Um, so that's what I've been really thinking about is how uh, can thought matter really create a, an environment where people, when we say, yes, please take risks, that we really mean it. That if someone tries something and it doesn't work out, how can we then create the conditions for people to learn from that? Not to say never mm. do that again, or never try something new or never show, you know, never, uh, you know, not hit something, a goal, uh, but how can we maybe readjust that goal? How can we maybe change the way that we're, we're measuring success on something? Uh, and that I think is really, really important for a, for a lot of businesses to take to heart, uh, that yes, a lot of really great, uh, you know, business jargon, uh, is important innovation. Everyone, you are just talking about this, right? Like everyone wants innovation. Everyone wants change, you know, innovation, but nobody wants to change. Uh, one of my professors at, uh, at SVA always said that, right? He worked for uh, an industrial design company and he was like, yeah, innovation, innovation. And you go to these big, big, big companies and they're like, but we don't want to change anything. Like everything's really working, but like, tell us how to be innovative. Um, <laughs> and I think that that's true for, for businesses that are trying to think about how they change their, their culture. Like you, there has to be a, an appetite for, for change or an appetite to be um, somewhat provocative or subversive or something that's a little bit maybe be off and, and you have to know why you're doing it. Uh, and you have to keep pushing, uh, because a lot of these, as I, as I kind of started, uh, talking about this, uh, if we're going to start saying that the design industry needs to change, uh, we have to start like making those moves ourselves. Yeah. I think it's also about, um, making like breaking those molds and seeing what's possible. Um, 
we we are in the process of a big change at nice work and one of the thoughts that i've been spending a lot of time and energy on is how do i create shared value for the people in my company and how do i structure the the commercial deals so that if we are successful and the client is successful, it becomes a, a shared win. So there's like a shared ownership model. Because I think one of the things that breaks our industry is that there's only one ECD per company and there's only one, you know, kind of head of strategy and there's only one. So if there's only a thousand companies, there's only a thousand roles. So if you think about how many design grads are being churned out every year, there's like hundreds of thousands of them joining the industry, but there's only a thousand spaces up here. And ultimately, I'm seeing a lot of people move into the corporate world because corporates are now insourcing, you know, because it's they've realized that it's cheaper and more effective to have dedicated people. But, you know, at the same time, that's still a salary base. So I've been trying to think, how do you create wealth and security for the humans in your business because if you can achieve things like that, then finding people becomes much easier because people look and they go, oh, like something's happening here that's different to what's happening over there. Yeah, maybe you're not going to get your titles. Maybe you're not going to achieve the, the marks of what success was designed like in a different, in the old industry, but you get something kind of different. And I love that, you know, thinking about things like this, that everything can be designed, you know, and that you can apply that same thinking, I think opens up new business models, new yeah. business structures, new board structures, new reporting structures. It sort of throws everything out and says, well, what do we have now? No, 100%. And that's something else that uh, I've been um, thinking quite a bit about is how do you, how do we shift, uh, power? I mean, I think that what you're talking about in many ways is again, you can go into money and titles and all these different things. But when you talk about who's at the top and there's only a certain number of those roles, the people, those very limited number of roles are the people that hold all the power, right? They have all the power to make hiring decisions. They have all the power to make decisions on what, you know, goes out, what sees the light of, Let's see the light of day. What, yeah, what uh, people see. Uh, and so when you have such a small number of people at the top, you lose more true voices to come in and talk about what, um, what, might, what could be. And I, I agree with you. I think that it, it goes back to uh, how do we design value? How do we design even value in our companies? How do we uh, look at and, and measure when something is uh, measure success? What does success look like? Like what and how uh, can we start thinking long-term? I think something interesting for especially the design, branding, the agency world is how can we measure the success of our agencies that isn't just quarter to quarter numbers, year to year profit, 20% profit every year on the because because then that's not that's not necessarily 
what every company is going after. That's not exactly everything that they're they're measuring. It might be the impact of their work. It might be the way that they're coming and working with their uh, client partners, and that could be success. And I think that there's starting to be a um, a larger conversation about short term gains versus long term gains and thinking about, you know, when everybody is only eyes on the prize for short-term profits, you are going to make very limited decisions that might not be best long-term. So how can you be building a bit, like you're saying, how can you be building a business that maybe has shared, um, shared ownership or shared responsibility or shared profits or shared way in which you're, you're measuring that success and that, that impact. Uh, And I think that, uh, it's exciting. I think, and, and you know, we, uh, maybe some of this was like doom and gloom, like we're all in a crisis and we all, we are, <laughs> but I do think that this is a really big opportunity and a big shift for many, um, many people to realize that they can, uh, look at that power differently. Like you have more, um, you know, younger designers coming in and saying, maybe I can, uh, you know, shape my career differently. Maybe I can, uh, you know, pick companies or agencies or things that do align with my values. I don't have to go into one company and that's just all I do. So I think that this is, it's ripe for opportunity, but I feel like the big thing that I always struggle with is that individuals need to recognize that they have that agency, that they have mm-hmm. that ability to uh, change, like I said, the, the structures and world around them. Ask questions. If you're at a company and you're seeing that maybe there's an opportunity to find out how you can how you can run something, run a team, how you could run, like even with me, these past two years, I, my founder, I kept asking, how can I run the company? What else do you need me to do? There are the policies, there are the things I could be doing. How could I be looking at it? And over time, you just keep getting more and more of that. And then you recognize, wait, actually, I'm running the studio, you know, like, and then you ask bigger, even bigger questions. So that to me is... Uh, only going to happen if people recognize their own power and their own agency to impact that that change. Um, and we're seeing that, you know, a lot of bottom-up conversations are happening now across a lot of different sectors. That's something coming to pull it back to sort of branding. I think the opportunities for brands and companies to rethink these things and use them as one of the messages that they are putting out into the world will not only attract them staff, but it'll also attract them customers because people are going to be like, oh, I do like that and I do believe in that. And, and you know, if I've got to choose between, you know, paying Jeff Bezos and Amazon some money or paying this person some money, I'm going to choose in, in a slightly different way. So I think these feel like internal discussions, but I believe that there's also a huge opportunity to stand out and go like, well, this is actually what we believe in. And this is actually what we are are striving towards. And it doesn't have to be big. It can be exactly that. Like we just treat our people really well. And, and I fundamentally believe that if you treat people well and you make sure they looked after and are building a future and are thriving, you'll ultimately get better work. You'll get better creative. You'll get better anything. You'll, if you've got a manufacturing company, they'll make better nails because yep. they don't have to worry about all of the other things that are weighing them down. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that is uh, 
a big opportunity for for big brands to, like I said, think about uh, what their role is. And like I said, really for me, it's just about shifting that value or shifting power, whatever the word you want to put in there. But it's really just shifting how we're looking at looking at um, the world. Yeah, product, services, people. Um, I, I agree. More more people need to think think like that. Like, how do I just mm. again going back to good citizen good citizenship? Like, how do we just feel that we are doing right by people and therefore right by the world that we're living in? Uh, because I feel like the conditions around us, um, you know, are 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 made made by us, you know, made by, by, by designers or people in this industry. And that's what I think is so powerful about brand going back to, as you said, going back to branding, when you said that, I was like, that's right. We're talking about branding. Um, but going back to branding, right. Like branding is so, so big and so powerful. And, uh, you know, for me, like I said, what are the boundaries of branding completely limitless, but with consequences. So how do we, how do, how do we as people start to wrangle and navigate that, uh, and use that power, um, with great responsibility. I love that. And I think on that note, it's a great space to end the the podcast. Um, Jesse, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for the conversation. Thank you for thinking about the things that you do. Um, and I love your call to action that I asked you in our thing. You said, once we have the seats, what do we do with it? And I think that's such a cool thing to end on. So thank you very much. Absolutely. This was so much fun. Went, went so fast. Uh, thank you. And these are big questions we all should be thinking about. So, um, you know, it's exciting, exciting moment to, to be a designer for sure. Definitely. And thank you for listening. And we'll catch you all in the next one. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. We believe that sharing knowledge is an obligation. So if you know someone who's building a brand or needs some inspiration for their brand, please share this podcast with them. This is our third season, and we'd be grateful if you'd hit that subscribe button so you're the first one to know when a new episode comes out. Or even better, leave us a review and tell the world how much you enjoy listening. This really helps. One more question is brought to you by the people at NiceWork. NiceWork is a purpose-driven company helping people who want to make a dent in the world by building brands that people give a shit about. We're based in Johannesburg, South Africa and serve companies around the world. If you'd like to know more, partner with us or make a suggestion, reach out at www.nicework.co.za. And if you're one of those really old school people, send us a letter and we'll make you a mixtape.